start this yeah. one. Okay. Well, hello, this is Mark from MK Ultra Film. How's it going? Uh, this is Killian from MK Ultra Film. And how's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, pretty uh-huh. excited because it's Richard Gear Week. So it is. It's. I feel like we hyped up Richard Gear Week to uh, to ourselves more than it was due because we're actually only reviewing two Richard Gear films. But still, still. <laughs> I feel like I felt. <laughs> I felt. I felt Richard Gear's presence a lot this week, which is kind of more what it was about. And I read a lot of Wikipedia mm-hmm. stuff about him. So it's I, not all about the listeners. It's also for us. It's Richard Gear Week for us, yeah. not just the listeners. He he was. I mean, Richard Gear, who I always thought was Richard Greer. I was always calling him Richard Greer for, and then I a only, lot of people do actually. Yeah, I thought he was Richard Greer, but he's Richard Gear. Um, no. I've, I've Wikipedia did it. Um, but I I never really thought about him as a. I know he's huge and he's famous, but I never really considered him. And it's only in the last uh, week I've actually come to recognize him for the, the you know, the hot, brilliant uh, sex symbol that he is. Mm. He has a really nice, like, because he's just kind of always been there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been in so many different kinds of films as well. Mm-hmm. He, uh, over so many years, I think it's just like, seeing him on screen is quite comforting especially like in these trying times you just see richard gear on in a movie and you're like uh you know it's not going to be it's not going to be anything yeah. too amazing it's not going to be too bad it's just going to be like a nice fucking yeah it's just going to be a nice watch you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's uh he's got a nice kind of soft roundy face that's very comforting to look at <laughs> He's also like not, he's not really that good of an actor, which is in a way quite nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes it's quite harsh seeing like a very strong performance. Sometimes yeah. it's nice to see just a kind mm-hmm. of a mediocre performance. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's he's more good. relaxing. Yeah. Um, we have some, uh, some communications from the listeners regarding the last episode of MK Ultra Film. As yeah, uh, as you know, nice we um, we asked the hard hitting question uh, on last week's podcast. Mark said, "When was the modern tractor, as we know it today, first introduced into Ireland?" Just a typical mm-hmm. question that usually comes up on this show. Uh, one listener, Owen, said, "The Massey Ferguson TE twenty is considered the first modern tractor." As it has a three-point linkage, went into production in 1946, designed by an Irishman, Harry Ferguson. So there you go. Well, thanks for that, Harry. Uh, um, that wasn't no. The, uh, Harry, oh, thanks, Harry, for the tractor. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant Harry thanks, sent Harry. us that message. Harry Corbett. <laughs> um, no, I know. I know full well who sent us that one. But uh, yeah. no, no. Thanks, Harry, for the tractor, and thank you, Owen, for the message. Good information there. Very interesting. Intro- I was. So we've had them for a long old time, actually. Yeah, 1946. I'm mad to think that the tractor was uh, invented by an Irishman. But I guess we need it the most. Well, who else would invent it? You yeah, know? you're right. No, it does make sense. Um, yeah. So I, what, I thought we were just doing the old donkeys up and down the fields. Until... Yeah. No, no, no. Very modern. Very, very modern. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I didn't think we'd have the money for that kind of thing. Until, and we uh, until we almost killed your mum with the last episode as well. Your mother was almost We did, uh, unfortunately, yeah. The... Uh, got a message saying halfway through your podcast i was injecting insulin at one of the moments had the needle halfway through you said something funny and i burst out laughing and the needle came all the way out again and stabbed me in the finger (laughs) laughy face confused face and crying laughing face yeah so sorry for that mum um (laughs) we're just too damn funny too damn funny yeah that is a, that is probably you should probably warn like if you're injecting insulin or injecting mm-hmm. any anything yeah um, yeah I would advise you not to do so while listening to the podcast or yeah. listening I'd actually probably advise you if you don't have to don't inject anything but if you do have to inject stuff don't do it while listening to this podcast that's I second that yeah anyone injecting anything um, just don't do it while like uh, injecting knowledge uh, we're doing metaphorical injecting mm. of film knowledge into your brains but physical injecting unless uh you have diabetes and you need to inject insulin or of course it's a coronavirus vaccine uh don't yeah don't uh, be injecting whilst doing uh the podcast listening to it okay <laughs> i don't want any like nurses in vincent's or anything administering the vaccine to i saw to, uh... Uh, <laughs> i saw a comedian make a very funny joke um maybe it's not that funny but he said please he said um uh 
people in Ireland think they're all like uh, against vaccines. That's really weird because when I walk around like O'Connell Street and stuff, I see everyone uh, giving themselves vaccines on their own. Like they love vaccines <laughs> over here. Uh, that's a dumb one, man. That was a dumb one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, another listener was offended by last week. Mark said that he didn't like Leonardo DiCaprio. He said Leonardo DiCaprio was crap. Or something like that. No, I bloody did not. Yeah, you did. You said something like that anyway. I uh, just said he's... I didn't. I just I just said, do you think after a certain amount of time, you're just awarded an Oscar just because you've been around for so long? Well... And I think perhaps that was mm, his case. Someone said, what's Mark's issue with Leonardo DiCaprio? Magnificent actor. Uh, mm. Being in some great films, there are a million dialects and accents in Africa. Of course, there was going to be lots of critics being Mark. I think he did a great job and Blood Diamond is a fantastic film. Boo earns Mark. Boo earns. Yeah, Mark Burn. Oh, there we go. The uh, oh, right. have you have you watched the accent? Uh, did you watch it? On I didn't YouTube rewatch it. I didn't rewatch it. But I, I, it's, I suspect ooh. it's not good. I suspect it's actually not good. <laughs> I don't even want to do it because I feel like for me to like, I feel like for me to like impersonate the accent, it would be it would be bad. Like, I feel like I could get yeah. in trouble for even impersonating well, I think it. It's not... You just make it clear that you're impersonating a bad accent, then it's okay. I, I won't do it. I won't do it. But <laughs> he, uh, it's... Maybe it's accurate, you know? Maybe it is. But I just don't want to hear that. Um, <laughs> I just don't want to hear Leonardo DiCaprio speaking in that way. Yeah, yeah. No, can that's... We, here, you know what? Let, can we roll? We're going to roll a yeah, clip. Yeah, let's roll the that. clip. Let's roll and the clip. And we'll let the audience, we'll let the audience make up their minds. You get something for me? And you self get something for me, huh? You bring the plane, come first. Are you crazy? You get for pay me first for them. This no fine, huh? This no fine. This no more you get. Pumui. You know, boys, them can <coughs> an all rotten AK them oh, against no, no. them. Okay, 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 okay. Them, huh? Immediately, <laughs> immediately turn that off. <laughs> you crazy? <laughs> oh. I think I was like 13 or something when I watched Blood Diamond and I was like, that's fucking class. Uh, that's not good. It hasn't aged well at all. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to agree with Mark on Blood Diamond being a very bad accent. Um, <laughs> hey, you crazy? You crazy? You, you have to pay me for them. <laughs> you have to pay me for them. Yeah. <laughs> It's not. You see, now I feel like I, I don't know if I'm allowed to even try and do that accent. Yeah, yeah. I'd say we st- we step <laughs> away from it. Um, yeah. <laughs> we could go the. the uh, yeah, yeah. No, you were going to say a word or, or a sentence even. I don't know. Just step on. Anyway, let's let's let the viewers let the viewers make up their own mind. Maybe we're just being hypersensitive to this. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, I think it's a. I think it's a bad one. It's a pooper. The. Uh, um, anyway, let's get things into gear, shall we? Oh! And, uh, <laughs> do you have you know that thing they have on fire in the booth where it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should get one. <laughs> get one of those. Yeah. The, uh, the yeah. So the first film we actually both watched. I think it's the first time in bloody ages we both watched a movie. Yeah. On this, but um, first film we're reviewing today is An Officer and a Gentleman. Um, a classic early Richard Gere film um, and I think I probably am going to detail what the whole plot was in my review so I'm just going to play mine followed by yours Brilliant. let's hear what we thought of it excellent oh I just watched An Officer and a Gentleman starring Richard Gere a film I've been intending to watch for a long time because there's a really nice scene in The Simpsons that is uh, taken from it and um yeah, I've been meaning to watch it, and I just did. And man, it was very, very good. It was just Richard Gere times. Just he's a he's a a kid who's had like a bad upbringing, and his dad. He's got kind of a deadbeat dad who's in the military, and then he himself decides to sign up for the military, and then he's a. Uh, He's going through his training and he meets this little lady in the town where his base is. But then he kind of has some of his, he's he's inherited some of his father's like bad, bad behaviors and bad attitudes. And he's, uh, 
you know, the, the, the lady really likes him and, but he's, you know, he's not really, he's kind of a, a lone ranger type of guy or so he thinks, but, uh, and then that's, so the story develops, but man, it's just so <laughs> very like, uh, very just American military, uh, honorable military man stuff. Actually, maybe not that honorable. <laughs> Some pretty bad stuff happens, but uh, I wouldn't say it makes out that being in the military is good, but it definitely makes out that it's that it's honorable. But it was <laughs> it was such a good film and a really cool thing that. So the theme song, you probably know this, but the theme song is um, "Love Lift Us Up." I guess that the song's called, you know the song, but they have, uh, that's like the only song in the film and they just change, change it. So like for sad scenes or happy scenes or like big kind of triumphant scenes, they just change, they just play the exact same melody, but in a different way. And it's really good. Like it works real well. Cause like, <laughs> like you hear the sad version and you're like, Oh, you hear the happy version. And you're like, yay. But it's still like the same, <laughs> the same tune every time, which is a good thing. I like it a lot. Um, but yeah, this, this film's great. I'm gonna, I feel like I need to watch more, like, even though, you know, the military is not the best, there is something really kind of weirdly nice about those kind of American military films. I don't know. I don't know why. I know they're pure, like, Pentagon propaganda, but there's just something, something nice about them. Hey, so I just watched An Officer and a Gentleman. Uh, 1982 film starring Richard Greer which you also just watched um, I thought it was good uh, I guess you've already explained the plot so I thought it was good uh, I think Richard Greer is good in it he's very young, very hot, very sexy um, in fact it's kind of a sexy film uh, uh, I thought that it was a little long but overall a really nice kind of 80s soft uh, romance movie uh, that gets a little bit cliche towards the end, um, but overall, like I thought it was really good. The character's arc I thought was really nice. The way he's this, you know, troubled youth who um, who doesn't let anyone get close to him, and then through this kind of grueling uh, thirteen-week um, boot camp kind of thing, he learns to you know open up and let people in. And there's tragic things that happen to try to get him uh, to open up as well. But, you know, there's a nice life lesson in that. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was really nice. And then you just get, like, the nice kind of Richard Greer being hot on a motorbike. And then, like, just, you know, love lifts us up where we belong. And that kind of soundtrack going on. So um, it's cheesy 80s, but it's kind of nice, good cheesy. And there's there's a solid message behind it. So I, I thought it was overall, it was a, it was a good movie. Um, yeah, but cheesy. Mm. Sounds like you you were a bit more cynical about it than me. Maybe maybe I was a little more cynical. I think um I think that I think you do have to watch that film with maybe a pinch of salt. Um but mm. uh, I mean overall I did love it. I loved the entire thing. Uh I thought it was good, but uh but like I yeah, I know I thought maybe like it was just a little too cheap. I wouldn't take it too seriously. Um I, what, yeah, no, you like I would say, like yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say it was too cheesy. I'd say it was like of its time. I would say it was very of its time. Yeah, uh, perfect. There's there was one particular scene where him and his sergeant get in a like a karate fight. Yeah, which was like, <laughs> yeah, that was. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why? <laughs> how? How? And they they just both started fighting yeah. like as if. Like, they both knew that that's what they had to do. They were just, yeah. like, having discussion. They were like, all right, come on, let's en- enter the ring. And they both just stripped down and started having, like, a full-on, like, not even just, like, a brawl, like, a proper, like, kung, like, kung fu, like, yeah. fight. Yeah, I don't know why you find that surprising, because we, we, we spent one summer in um, Paris together, and we both did the exact same thing. When we went to the sumo wrestling club, we both knew that we had to fight each yeah. other, and, and we fought each other. And we, I, we had, and when I watched that scene, I was like, "That's, I know exactly what's going on here. They, they know <laughs> that they must fight, and uh, they did." <laughs> this, do you know what I'm just reminded of now? Do you remember when me and you went to that club comfort thing in the boxing arena, and you punched me full force in the face? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
That was... You got a bit, uh, you got a bit overexcited. We got into the boxing ring, and me and Killian kind of put our put our fists up for a bit of a, a bit of a joke, and then Killian just just clocked me. <laughs> it's the na- my it was, jaw was in bits. It was the national stadium. I just got real into it. But that was round yeah. two. You definitely beat me in the sumo wrestling, but in the boxing, tat a tat, I did. Yeah. I, did I did the it, dirty. It was the I just... rematch. <laughs> yeah, you definitely won that one. Another thing about this film uh, that neither of us mentioned is the sergeant character who is brilliant and played really, yeah. really well. Like that character. Like I, there's a lot of drill sergeant kind of characters in movies. They're all over the place, but this guy is maybe one of my favorite. I don't know if I can even think of one who's better. He's so good because he's he's. He's like a real tough kind of like you're oh, yeah you're all pieces of shit. Look at your face, wipe mm. that smile off that face, sergeant or whatever. But then uh, he also is like a good person, and uh, yeah, and he's, he's that, that's great. The difference, yeah, like because you, you sometimes those characters they just seem like completely heartless, and all they want for you is to fail. Mm. Um, yeah. Whereas with him, it was like it felt like you know he really was rooting rooting for everyone under this. Yeah, under this facade of him being like a real tough guy and stuff, which was yeah. which was nice and and played very well. Mm-hmm. But I I, I kind of got the feeling you weren't that hot on it. Like you were kind of like, yeah, it's good. No, I fucking no. loved it. No, no, I loved. I did. No, no, I liked it. I liked it. I I I did do a funny thing. Um, me and Anna watched it together. Um, mm. and uh, and she said, "Why don't you play Mark's uh, review of it and we'll see what he thought?" And I was like, "Anna, Mark loved this movie," and she was like. <laughs> She was like, how do you know? And I was like, I just, I just know Mark Byrne loved this film. <laughs> Man, as soon as like the, uh, you know, like the first, like the first scene where Richard Gere sits on his bike and puts a plaster over his tattoo and yeah. you can see the Navy boats in the background and the music starts. Yeah. As soon as that came on, I was like, ah, yeah, sold. Like, I'm, I'm done. That's the-, <laughs> the motorbike was so funny. It was just, there was a lot of like him going like, you know, like, fine then, I'll leave you. And then he like storms off and just gets on his motorbike and rides yeah, yeah. off into the distance. And that's the, the music would... plays with the guitar. The way he has to, I love like that triumph motorbike he has. It's also so dramatic because the way he has to start it. Yeah. You notice, but he has to like proper leap into the air yeah. to like start the engine, <laughs> which is so. It's so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's obviously there's some bits in it that are very sad as well. Yeah, there but, is. Yeah, but overall, just the it's it's a weird thing as well because it kind of you get into this mindset. Like, did you know what I meant when I said like it makes those military films? You're just kind of like, oh, they're all such heroes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah, though, yeah. even though you know, whatever, mm-hmm. it's just a funny way to be. You're like, yeah, they did the obstacle course, and now they're all going to go on and fucking fight and yeah, be yeah, heroes. yeah. <laughs> weird how they just get you in that kind of yeah no definitely 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 um i know i thought i did no i really enjoyed the film i i i think uh anyone it'd be very hard to not like this movie watching it i think most people watching this would find it really good so it's very much a recommended richard Gere watch you can hear actually in my voice message i was pronouncing it richard greer well i have since improved myself folks (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you've got you've, you've you've improved i wonder what age do you think he was in that one he kind of like very is, young. it's hard to it's hard to age him. He kind of always looked pretty old, I thought. I'd say he's like 25 maybe. I think he's young. I, I feel like from like the day he was like 19, he just looked like quite a handsome like 35-year-old man and he just <laughs> remained that way until he was like 60. <laughs> he's um, uh well, he was born in 49, so he would have been 49, 50, 60, 70. He would have been like 30. Jeez, he would have been 50 to 60. That's 10, 60 to 70. 70. He would have been 32, maybe 31, 32. He looks young. Do people, do people still join the army at that age? Uh, well, I mean, I guess in the film, he's supposed to be like 21 or something. I think he's meant to be, he just finished college, so he's probably 21. That's funny. I, it, that's actually a funny thing that me and Emer were discussing recently that like ages ago they used to cast older people as younger people mm. and now they do the opposite now they cast younger people as older people that's actually true yeah you I... never see like a 35 year old playing a 
25 year old now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I That used to be the thing was like, it was almost a joke. I remember in Scary Movie, they made a joke about it where they're all like, a, like in American kind of college films from the 90s, it was always like these, like very clearly like, you know, 32 year old people playing like high school kids and you're like what's mm. going on <laughs> yeah 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 it's so funny <laughs> um we, uh will we go to uh the next uh richard gear yeah we can go to the will next we richard change gear. will we change gears this will be a this will be a real change of gears um <laughs> like the the idea of this whole richard gear week was because he as i said at the start he comes in so many so many different flavors like mm-hmm. you can have i don't know what you'd call an officer and gentleman it was like a what kind of movie was that a romantic I'd, yeah, yeah drama yeah. yeah i'd say a romantic drama yeah 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 um and then like obviously i feel like everyone just thinks he's rom-com man just because of um pretty woman which yeah. is an excellent film yeah uh, but then you know he plays a lawyer in a lot of movies no yeah he's played in a few things he was in chicago as well wasn't he um mm, yeah he was in uh what's the yeah he, i remember him from a, a kid my main memory of him is uh from being in that simpsons episode where, <laughs> where they ask him what he was in the simpsons was he yeah did you not reference that recently no no, like that. The, the the closing scene of an officer and a gentleman is the closing scene of a Simpsons episode. Ah, okay. No, no, he's in a Simpsons episode where they're like, "Did you do all the sit-ups in an officer and a gentleman or something like that?" And he's like, "No, they just reshot it a hundred times or something, or they just edited it or something." <laughs> That's mad. I usually am pretty good on the Simpsons references, but yeah, I didn't yeah. get that one. There you go. That's a shame. Um, but yeah, okay, so. this one. This one, Hachiko, is like uh, the next film we're reviewing is called Hachiko: A Dog's Story. I think I I think I say it wrong in the in the review, but uh, this would be more of like a older Richard Gear, mm-hmm. sad and perhaps going by like the production level, maybe more it wanting of cash. <laughs> <laughs> Just judging by <laughs> judging by the film, but okay. um, this is this is what uh, this is what I thought of it. Okay, so. Uh, Emer and I just watched Hachiko. I think it's called Hachiko, a dog's tale, or Hachiko, a dog story, or something like that. Richard Gere film, um, where he has a dog. He finds a dog at a train station, and he's like, he's a guy, an old man. He's a professor of dance, or a professor of performing arts, or something. And his wife, like, is an architect, and she refurbishes old buildings. So they're like one of those kind of couples. And uh, he finds this dog and forms very strong, <laughs> forms a very strong bond with the dog, <laughs> and uh, it was very tough. <laughs> it was very tough going. That movie was very. Uh, it was a tough one. Um, the dog. <laughs> the dog. <laughs> The dog like follows him to the train. <laughs> Sorry. The dog like follows him to the train every day. And then uh and then Richard Gear dies suddenly. But then the dog continues to go to the train station every day. Um to wait for him and continues to do so for the following like 12 years until uh until the dog passes away <laughs> it was very rough going it was uh it was a real tough one total spoiler right there by the way but like if you watch the trailer like you see richard Gere dies in the trailer and i mean i couldn't there wouldn't be i wouldn't be able to explain the film otherwise i'd just say like richard Gere finds a dog and uh, and he likes it you know but um it was tough like in a way sometimes i think i think like 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 the the love the innocent the the innocence and love that dogs have for their owners like it's a pure innocent like loyal love to their owner and obviously that ultimately becomes broken when the owner or the dog dies and i think that's too easy and emotional an emotional thing to to manipulate for filmmakers and i think it's actually like kind of a vile thing to do you shouldn't doesn't need to be done people know people know 
People know. Uh, oh. People know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you okay, man? <laughs> that was a really uh, that film was very tough for me. <laughs> I was I was laughing. Oh, <laughs> you were crying, laughing. man. You were crying. I was <laughs> very much crying, you know, and uh, that's okay. It's nice, but uh, it was just funny was, how you, you know, in kind of a, a very male fashion, you you kind of went on the offensive and were like, "These tears are because they were irresponsibly making a film that made me cry." <laughs> <laughs> the film was very tough. Uh, it was, I'd say, like there's, uh, like it, I watched it with Emer, and Emer was also crying quite mm. a bit. And uh, she just said, like, why are we watching this? And then she was like, why, would, why do people make movies like this? And I was like, I honestly don't know. Because um, it was a pretty low-budget film. And, like, it was nice. Like, there's lots of cute dog bits. Mm-hmm. But you know going in, I feel like any film with a dog in it like that, the dog yeah. is going to die. This is actually, I suppose, a kind of an inversion of it in that Richard Gere died. Mm. And then the dog was just very sad. But mm. what's horrible about it is, like, I was kind of hoping, um, I was kind of hoping that Richard Gere would die, the dog continues to go to this train station every day, mm. and then you kind of think that, I don't know, the town would band together, and they'd be like, oh, Hachiko, and then he'd kind of, the town would become his owner and look after him. And that happens mm. a bit, but not enough to, not enough to, to make me feel better. And mm. then... Um, Ultimately, what happens is the dog just gets progressively more and more haggard. And then, like, by the end, he's all, like, fat and, like, he's all, his hair is all horrible and matted and shit. And then he just dies. I was like, fuck. (laughs) Okay, big spoiler alerts on this one, but. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I feel like this is more like a public service announcement. Like, it's, like, I don't know. If you go in, I guess the ad, it's like, in the ad, it does kind of pitch it as, the dog that brought a town together and stuff. And it's mm. like, it's he doesn't really, like, a few people throw him a few bits of sausages and stuff, but mm. he still lives under a fucking train in freezing cold place in America and it, just fucking dies it's on the street. Ba- it's based on a Japanese film? It, it's based on a, a, a Japanese dog, in fact, a true, oh. a true real-life Japanese dog called Hachiko, who apparently, in, like, the 1930s, used to go and sit outside a train station for his owner every day. And then... Uh, uh, it was remade into a film and then remade into an American film and then used as a plot for one Futurama episode as well. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm bringing up all the Matt Groening kind of stats, but yeah, yeah. The Fry in Futurama falls into uh, some sort of thing that makes him f- gets frozen for for a thousand years and that's how, he get, how Futurama is kind of premised. But Fry actually mm. had a dog and the dog waited outside uh, the pizza place that Fry used to work for until it died. So that so it was used again, and I remember that scene, and uh, that made me very very sad. Um, yeah, so, yeah, they're so loyal. Yeah, like it's it's a cheap shot. Like the dog death is it? It's a cheap shot. It's a cheap you know? shot. Yeah, the, it's, it's um, just so funny the way you were just like it's a cheap shot. It's a cheap. <laughs> you can't do that. That's a cheap shot. <laughs> it was a horrible <laughs> film. It was horrible. You shouldn't, especially now, you know, it's fucking dark and it's cold. Yeah, my yeah, heating's yeah. broken in my house. It's fucking COVID times. Don't need to, don't need that kind of stuff. I don't like, what, what is, what is the, what is that film for? What's it yeah. for? What's, what's its function? You know? Uh, make you cry. Make you feel nice and cry. I don't know. There is, there is a funny thing where the, the dog is a Japanese Akita. Mm-hmm. And they have this really funny, just Hollywood thing of like, Richard Gere's colleague is this Japanese man mm. who obviously being Japanese just knows everything about this breed of dog and of he's course. like oh you you know Akitas do not fetch they're not interested in fetching they are interested in blah blah, blah. And like he just automatically yeah, can tell yeah. Richard Gere how to train the dog mm-hmm. and everything and then him, him and Richard Gere do like kendo stick fighting like <laughs> which is like kind of like sword fighting and then there's a scene where the Japanese man comes and sees the dog and just looks at the dog and the dog stares in his eyes and he just starts speaking in Japanese to it and the dog is kind of like like <laughs> so stupid do you think you could do the same if you met an Irish wolfhound like I could just I could just tell someone how to train it 
Like probably. <laughs> no, they don't like that. No, no, no. no. You need to get a, a no. A what you need to do is uh, they won't yeah, fetch yeah, yeah. it unless it's hit by a, an ashwood stick. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you Would you have any interest in watching that now? That uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, not really. No, I don't think so. I guess uh, mainly because you told the entire plot to me. Uh, mm. <laughs> But also, uh, I do feel like it was rep- like that Futurama episode represented it pretty good, and I feel like I've seen that in a few different things. I've also mm. seen like memes where uh, where like dogs um, are lie lie on the grave of their of their owner uh, mm. after, and I feel like just I've seen that. feel like just looking at that meme is basically the entire film. So I mean, I don't think I need to watch it anymore. I got all the emotion from that meme that I needed to get from the film. So I'm I'm good. Actually, another thing I forgot to mention was there's large portions of the the movie that are shot in like dog vision. (laughs) So like it'll go to like the dog's point of view and everything's like in a kind of a weird, almost black and white. And it's like the dog's perspective as he like talks to people. Well, he doesn't talk to people, but people talk to him. And as he runs around, which is a a quite a creative cinematic (laughs) technique. No, it was crap. It was just like <laughs> it was just like black and white. It was just black and white, and they're like this is dog vision. What's your favorite dog movie? Uh, oh, that film. Um, I really like that Hungarian? film, White God. Yeah, White God. Yeah, that's that's great. Did you watch that? Yeah, yeah, White God's brilliant. I'd say White it's God. So good. It's the best. It's it was revolutionary in dog movies. I think because um, mm. it's like so little dialogue. It's all from the dog's perspective. But obviously not filmed in some stupid camera style. Um, mm. I like that Wes Anderson dog movie. I think that's good. Uh, the Isle of I Dogs. I love dogs or yeah, something. Is it? I like yeah. that one. Um, I w- but no, White I Dog watched... is the best dog movie. White God is the best dog movie. I think. Do you know? You know? So White God. I've told people to watch White God, and then they've watched. There's also a film called White Dog, which is easily confused because White God is about dogs, and White Dog is also about dogs. But White Dog yeah. is a very dated film about a white siberian husky that is racist and only attacks black people oh geez so i i'm like you should watch this film and then they look up white dog and I'm, and then they're like that <laughs> film wasn't really the best I'm like oh, fuck oh no no not that one white god wrong one uh brilliant white god but it's about dogs yeah it's a brilliant hungarian film um i mean really really cool film where a dog i think it's like taken away from its owner like a young boy and wants to get back and then the dogs start banding together so the dogs are kind of hyper intelligent in this film it's and, like a um, it's like a low-key planet of the apes yeah. but with dogs yeah it's brilliant but it's but not shitty like done well it's really good really emotional um Do, remember that one um las reyes i reviewed before that also actually was very yeah, yeah, tough yeah. for me to watch yeah the uh where it's just there's no dialogue it's just two dogs it's like a documentary two mm-hmm. dogs just kind of pegging it around they live in a skate park mm-hmm. that film was really good as well yeah any other good dog movies Homeward Bound, I guess, is pretty good. Huh? Homeward Bound, yeah, that's more of like a kids movie from the nineties. But yeah, it's good. It's good. Homeward Bound. Uh, I mean, it's a kid movie from the nineties with dogs in it. Yeah, yeah. Did they do? You I can't like, remember. Yeah, Homeward Bound. They have the talking. Films. They have the talking dogs in Homeward Bound, don't they? They're like kind of move the mouth, kind of. No, they don't. That's oh. actually we just I just discussed this with people yesterday. They, that's one of the ones where the dogs talk, but they just don't move the mouths, which oh, I respect. Okay, that's good. Lassie, uh, we don't need that. Lassie's pretty good. There's a good few Lassies, but. Uh, the one the american lassie i thought that was pretty good um, beethoven there's a scene in the first beethoven film i think where he com- he completely demolishes a, a whole house which is pretty good yeah 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 beethoven, there was a there was an ep- <laughs> there's a lot of like dog movies in the 90s like kids movies that were dogs yeah um there's also like there's also those crap movies with chimpanzees doing human things yeah 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 they're really <laughs> sick <laughs> um Okay, so dog movies passed. Uh, let us go from... Richard Gere passed. Richard, Richard Gere, Gere passed, passed and the dog also died. The dog died, Richard and Gere now, died. Let's move on. <laughs> this this week, you, you, uh, you, through cinema, traveled over to, to my neighborhood. I did, yes. Didn't you? I uh, finally watched a film that I've been told to watch for a really long time and have wanted to watch for a really long time. And it's called Victoria. And this is what I thought. Hey, so I uh, just watched Victoria. Um, I finally got around to watching it. Uh, 
this was one of those films that everyone just kept saying, you have to watch this. Yeah, you just have to watch this movie. Um, it's from 2015 and it took me five years, but I finally got around to watching it. It's famous because it uh, is a one take film. So it's shot in real time and it's just following uh, a young um, Spanish woman living in Berlin who befriends a group of uh, German kind of ruffians. Um, and it all happens within the space of two hours and 20 minutes and it's shot in real time. So everything that happens um, is happening as, you know, in real time. Uh, basically, she meets these guys in a club um, and she starts hanging out with them. And then it turns out they have kind of sort of a criminal side to them. And then they ask her to kind of help them out a bit. And that's sort of the plot. Uh, this is a remarkable film. This is like, I would, you know, when you watch a movie and you're like, F that, I mean, that is just incredible. From the first like 20 minutes, it just takes you in completely. The, it's not a, a gimmick, the, um, the one take thing. It's it, it, the acting in it is just incredible. I mean, it doesn't even seem like acting. It seems like real people just reacting in a very real way. It's, it's, it's so, um, it takes you in to the film in a way that I, you know, you just don't get um, in other uh, in other films. It's just incredible. The acting is just stunning. Um, the plot is really good. Uh, the ending is a little bit, well, there's moments of it where you're, you're screaming at it, you know? It's almost got that horror movie kind of like, what are you doing, what are you doing? Because you're so taken in by the film and everything that the characters do. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a crime thriller, but it also has a lot more going on to it, going on in it. Like, uh, because you have these really, really human moments because it's, it, you're watching real life. It's not really, it doesn't seem like a film, but what looks like a sort of window into a real life. And, uh, and so you get these really tender human moments. You get these really funny moments. You have people acting drunk who I, the way they act drunk in this is the best drunk acting I've ever seen ever. And it makes all other drunk acting look so fake, which it usually does. But, um, anyway, everyone should watch this film. Every single person should watch this film. It's incredible. Uh, it's a, a really, really brilliant film and it's German. So there you go. It's a, that's a plus, but it's mostly in English. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's a fucking it, brilliant film. Yeah, it's so good, man. It's like, I, I nearly, it's kind of a shame because like when you go into it, um, mm -hmm. I was nearly like, because all anyone ever says is like, oh, this film was like shot in one shot, you know? Mm. So cool. And then like, even when you when I hear the the explanation when people are like, oh, you know, it, it's about this girl who goes to a club and meets some, you know, dodgy lads yeah. and then they commit crime. I'm kind of like, oh, sounds a bit, I don't know. Yeah. But it's very good. Yeah, it is. There's so, like, it, it, it humanizes moments in such a way. Like, uh, I think when you watch um, like a, a regular crime film, let's say like, a, a, I don't know, a heist movie or something like that. You're just watching mm -hmm. it and you're so separate from it. But in this way, because you see how it all develops in real time, like it's just uh, this, you know, young person walking in the streets of a city they don't really know. And they're meeting these really fun, cool people. And we've all done that. We've all bumped into people on the way home drunk and made friends like that happens. Yeah, so absolutely. often, especially when you're yeah. living abroad, you bump into a group of people and you're like, oh, who are you guys? You know, let's hang out and guards down. Let's be friends. And then, you know, it just sort of goes a bit further than that. And you could totally see and you relate to how it happens. And, you know, in a way, mm. none of the characters in this, all of them, you know, mm. they do terrible things or they get into horrible circumstances. But you don't, not one part of you leaves the film going like that was a purely bad person doing a purely bad thing. You kind of completely mm. understand why they're doing things because you're, you get the full scope of the film giving you like a kind of as unbiased opinion as possible on why people would do something bad or whatever. Um, yeah. I loved it. I, I really loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I remember even like, it, like there was just one scene where they're just kind of like cycling down the road mm. or like some people are cycling and then maybe she's standing on like the pegs of his bike and mm. they're just drinking a beer, walking down the road. And I was like, man, like this, 
I've you know I've done I've been there like, yeah it, like <laughs> it just all seems very like yeah, yeah. and the way they're kind of walking around they're like deciding where to go and stuff it's all just very mm. real like I can't believe they didn't look at the camera at all I know, <laughs> you know they just <laughs> yeah it is it's like, it's a remarkable achievement yeah you do forget that it's all done in one take apparently they did it three mm. times it took them three times to get it right but uh Fuck. but yeah like often I find with one take films you can. They can kind of be relentless. I don't know if you remember um, Birdman uh, mm. with Michael Keaton. That that was like a hectic, chaotic film. It was a one-take style film. And uh, it was just like you were on edge because it was just constant, which is usually what yeah. one-take films are like. But um, th- uh, this one was really clever because there was pauses in the movie. There was breaks in it. It wasn't like you were constantly getting dialogue. There were moments where they would go off uh, away from you the characters would go away from you and then some like nice music would play and the dialogue drowns out and you can kind of breathe a little bit and then it can transition mm-hmm. from the next part of the film so it was like really really smart in how they did it um, and again like just yeah I guess like this film which is so based on I really liked the first thing the first credit that comes up was the cameraman uh, which really? I thought was That's really good. really nice because like, obviously yeah, yeah. like the cameraman you know was fucking incredible like he had to run Mm. around for two and a half hours uh and then the first credit that comes up is the cameraman so i thought that was really nice touch that's nice Um, run around and and stay out of the way completely as well like (laughs) it's amazing yeah the um the did you recognize any of the spots from it you know like a lot of that is Mm. right where i live like it's yeah yeah yeah. well berlin has a kind of samey feel a lot but that looked like real yeah real berlin and it feels like it was all just in the same block as well i don't know um it must Mm. have been because it was also close by uh i'm not sure i think i could be wrong but i think uh possibly when you and your sister visited we went into the hotel at the end and uh and used the the restroom there you go that's a bit well there yeah yeah, there you go see i believe it was a number two for you (laughs) if i recall correctly you're, uh, they don't want to know that. That's not it. <laughs> That's not the kind of information that that listeners want to know. Okay, what kind of deposits I was making in a hotel bathroom in Berlin? They don't. As far as I recall, it was uh, yeah, number two for you. <laughs> just, a, just a swift, <laughs> a swift number one for me. <laughs> well, um, they don't want to know that. But yeah. It was very... Uh, it's also remarkable that they didn't get more people just kind of fucking with them, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they they managed to run around for like... T- what? Yeah, as you said, like two and a half hours yeah. and it's just no interaction, no anything. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think the film would have been as good? Like, do you think the story... Do you think there is something of a gimmick to the one take or do you think it really added to the... Hmm. To uh... the movie? Like, do you think if it wasn't one take would it still have been as good i think that uh the thing that was striking about this film was the performances from the actors i think that was one of the most like just a a roundhouse like brilliant acting from all of them and i reckon the reason that Mm. the acting was so good was because the actors were able to sit in the characters for a two and a half hour period and not break once and I think yeah. that that was what made uh, the difference with this film. So I think that, yeah, the one take was probably done for that. You often hear actors saying that when they, you know, often when you, you know, when you shoot a scene and it's two people talking to each other, usually the way they do it is they shoot one person and then they shoot the other one. But when you hear yeah, actors yeah. saying that when uh, directors let them react, let their reactions be real in real time, it often makes the performances much better. So actors much prefer that. So I reckon that, uh because this was such an actor's film i think uh yeah the one take was definitely uh, worthwhile and it wasn't a gimmick mm. I, I also think it added to the kind of just the fact that it's all one night it's mm. all just kind of yeah. one event one series of events mm-hmm. it really just made you feel more kind of in there with them yeah yeah, yeah 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 very good you finally watched it man i know I, I, I'm, I'm i'm getting worried there i i was looking at i was worried that we might have reviewed this one before but maybe we just chatted about it we might i think maybe maybe we have i don't know <laughs> we've done so many of these. i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised if we'd already we need a it. researcher don't we we need someone does anyone want to research this show 
it just be like a check. We already had Maeve. Maeve oh, was, yeah, yeah. Was, Maeve, uh, yeah, she's our Maeve was researching. Unofficial. So Maeve, just let let us know if we did this one. That yeah. would be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Jesus, we simply must talk about Kevin. That was one we did. That was good. That was good. Um, anyway, that was uh, that was uh, that wasn't the last film we'll be reviewing on this on this podcast. You have another one in the chamber for ready for us, don't you? No, I've got one more film uh, to go. Uh, it's a Charlie Kaufman film. Mark watched a Charlie Kaufman. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things on Jesse Buckley week a few a few episodes ago, um, <laughs> and uh, I watched a, a film called Adaptation, um, starring Nicolas Cage. Hey, I just watched Adaptation, a Charlie Kaufman film um, starring Nicolas Cage and Meryl Streep. Uh, some building works beside me, but don't worry about them. Um, Charlie Kaufman did Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Being John Malkovich, so kind of weird films like that. This film is about uh, a sort of fictionalized version of himself, uh, played by Nicolas Cage, um, who was writing a script. He's adapting a book which Meryl Streep's character wrote, uh, which is about orchids and this kind of interesting orchid hunter guy. Um, basically, as the film goes on, Charlie Kaufman's having difficulty writing the script, and then you realize that the script that he is writing is, in fact, the film that we are watching. Okay? So, the, so as he writes the script, the plot develops. And, uh, and it's, it's really interesting because you have this... Uh, you know, this guy writing the script, talking about the film that we are watching at the same time as he's, as it's being made. So it's, it's, it's kind of it's weird. Uh, once you get to terms with that, it's actually pretty interesting um, because they're talking about the film as it's happening. Uh, so it has that whole film within a film kind of vibe. Uh, it's very like Eight and a Half. It definitely took its inspiration from Eight and a Half. Also, Flann O'Brien's At Swim Two Birds, very like that. Uh, so it's kind of meta and it's uh, very like postmodern. Um, it's got funny bits in it. Uh, Nicolas Cage is really weird, but also really good in it. He plays like kind of a, an anxiety-induced, uh, like sweaty blob of a person. And then he also plays the twin brother, uh, who is kind of more confident and stuff. Um, and then Meryl Streep is always good. She's good in it. Uh, also, it switches genre halfway through the film because uh, it swaps from being Charlie Kaufman writing it to his twin brother Donald Kaufman writing it. And once it swaps person, the film actually changes uh, to being more like a thriller. And that's kind of interesting the way they did that. I don't think the thriller part of it was as good and I'm not sure they had to do that, but it was interesting. Um, overall, I think with Charlie Kaufman's films, it's like you'll kind of like it or you won't like it. Uh, I could see people not enjoying it, but I thought it was good. Um, and Anna did too. It's kind of funny. And Nicolas Cage is always interesting to watch. He never does a boring performance, that guy. Uh, that sounds shy. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you're like, then you've, uh, I can imagine people like, people you fucking meet in New York and stuff going like, no, no, but like the, the, <laughs> the film he's writing is actually like the film you're watching. It's, <laughs> Shut up! It's uh, it's funny. Every time I describe a film as, like, when I say this sentence, I go, "Yeah, it's quite interesting." You always just like go, "Oh, fuck's sake!" <laughs> <laughs> the film he's watching is the film he's writing. <laughs> Shut up! Well, they don't. It's like, like right? uh, explicitly say that in the film, but it just when you're watching it, you can kind of you you get that. I get like, um, and then. It it changes genre halfway because the writer, uh, <laughs> whatever. It's so uh, it's definitely an intellectual film, um, and like the I guess I, and what, what is that? Are you trying to say that I'm not an intellectual? Well, no, I mean I guess like for me, often intellectual films can sometimes be quite boring, <laughs> and uh, and like this this film definitely decides to be very kind of like like it it it, it talks about filmmaking and screenwriting and uh and like it does it in a kind of um like it manages not to be pretentious i don't think but like it's often hard for kind of films like this to not come off as pretentious and i think charlie kaufman definitely is on that knife edge a lot where he's kind of like are his films kind of funny and silly or are they kind of like a bit intellectual and kind of i don't know alienating mm. and a bit just kind of like oh 
you know. Uh, I think I think he manages to get kind of the silly thing across, and I think that's mainly due to Nicolas Cage because he's he's the silliest uh, actor I could possibly think of. Like he's just mm. a really, um, really just a funny, funny person to look at, and just really weird, but in a kind of odd way. Uh, like he makes weird people uh, look very normal. Um, <laughs> playing, um, as you said, a, an anxiety-ridden, greasy blob of a man yeah. in this film. <laughs> Which is actually like <laughs> a, a fictionalized version of the director and writer, uh, Charlie uh, Kaufman. So, of course. Um, I don't know. I don't think I wouldn't like if you were doing recommends, like a Killian recommends corner. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd recommend watching this if you're not into like Eternal Sunshine or being John Malkovich or um, all those kind of films that he wrote. Uh, if you're uh, if you're not into those kind of films, I wouldn't watch this. But if you do like uh, Charlie Kaufman, I think uh, I think you would like this. Uh, you don't like him. Uh, well, you know, I've only actually well, I've watched I watched Eternal Sunshine yeah. in fourth year of secondary school um, over three classes, mm-hmm. um, and I can't remember any of it. But <laughs> uh, I know Jim Carrey's in it, and I know he. There's something to do with him having like a lo- he's like a pet detective of some kind. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. The uh, but no, I I I. He's done like loads of films. Like he's done like Synecdoche, Kelly New York. Stop listening. Um, <laughs> you I'm just thinking... totally. You just t- wait. Hold on, I'm calling you out there. You just totally stop. I just wanted to. Saying there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call me out. <laughs> you just you just. I'm calling you out. You, you zo- I could see you typing on your computer, and you just cease to listen to what I, I just was had saying. to. I did a quick email. A quick email. You know, I'm a busy guy. That's not how this podcast works. A quick email. <laughs> I was just Man, checking. there's to no see, emails. I was checking to see if the audio was still running. I need 100% attention at all times. Okay. <laughs> when I'm... <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, sure look. Charlie Kaufman. Do you think if you met him in college, you'd get on with him? No, oh, no probably not. Um, mm, would you like to go for a, a pint with him? <laughs> Probably not, but I don't like. That's not how Would I you... rate my filmmakers. But yeah, another question. Name a film that you name a filmmaker that you like that you wouldn't go have a pint with. That I like that I wouldn't have a pint with. Uh, Clint Eastwood. I kind of like his movies. Wouldn't like to have a pint with him. Uh, Why not? I, he just seems like a fucking like a racist. <laughs> he seems like a, a <laughs> racist Republican. Um. <laughs> well, maybe you could maybe you could discuss his views with them, and then you could. You know what about uh, you? What, what about um, uh, being John Malkovich? Have you ever seen that? I've seen the VHS box. Oh well, that's yeah, that's okay then. Um, that's a weird one as well. Uh, and he gets good actors. Like he got uh, Meryl Streep in uh, in this film, which I was kind of surprised at. He was kind of like a big deal during like the nineties mm. and like early two thousands, and then uh, I don't know. I guess he he made. A, a, I'm thinking of ending things, which sounds like from your review pretty garbage but um it's it's funny like in the 90s it was such a nice time like for music as well like when you some of the albums and that like warner brothers records or universal Mm. released and like put money behind there's like some of the fucking weirdest music Mm. ever that wouldn't they would just remain band camp band forever um nowadays and also i feel like with movies like i feel like if charlie kaufman came up now you wouldn't be getting them in i don't think you'd be getting fucking Nicholas Cage like is on this the is scene. a weird film and the budget must have been pretty big uh like the mm. like the the they're it's very 90s like I said meta film refer- referencing itself that's like like classic 90s kind of oh cool cinema uh is like the film to be about itself or be talking about filmmaking within the film um and just like really weird odd plots that i'd say like the producers probably didn't even understand but somehow they're still willing to pump like you know 20 you know 10 15 mil into it like it's pretty it just yeah. wouldn't happen today <laughs> like i love it i love it it's film about itself yeah i love it they just sign sign on the dotted line it seems like a good time yeah like you know uh, like like yeah, we didn't know how good it was. <laughs> nowadays, nowadays, what are kids watching? Fucking Pacific Rim too. That's all they have. Wasn't Pacific Rim meant to be really good? Maybe uh, Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro. Um, good for them then. I, I, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably better off than us. Yeah, yeah. 
we I don't know we 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 need like a a topic of conversation at the end because we we usually have a listener sending us in a review but we maybe we could just rant on the fact that no listener sent us a review this week yeah what the fuck we come here every well I was gonna say two weeks but every indeterminate period of time and about two weeks and every sort of two weeks or so we give it our all we review movies mm. you know we we give you mm. the best criticism that we can do admittedly not amazing but it's the best we can do all we ask is for one or two listeners to send us a single review and you don't do it mm. I, I get a lot of texts from people like whatsapp messages mm-hmm. um maybe i'll just start reading those aloud in as an in in the voice of the person who sent them to me yeah we'll mimic you we'll make fun of you <laughs> Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. The, uh, a lot of people send me a text saying, like, hey, I watched this movie that you mentioned, blah, blah, blah. But get the voice messages in, guys. Come on, voice messages. When, here, on another note, when when do you think, have you have you started tucking into any Crimbo films yet? Or do Ooh, you think... Uh, it's just around the corner. Um, mm. What do you think about doing two Christmas episodes this time? Just because I feel like I'm going to spread Christmas out because it's like COVID times. It's, it's like, I'm just going to overdose on christmas this year i think um i haven't <laughs> yeah, i haven't it. let myself i usually wait until december before i start doing christmas things yeah you should um, you shouldn't do it before yeah i mean you're in germany now which is like i feel like the land of wholesome christmas times uh mm. with all the weinach marks and everything all the toys are like made of yeah. wood and everything in in germany yeah it's like lots of candles and wood and like nice it's a very fragrant christmas yeah it's very fragrant yeah thing. lots of um mm. like uh so it's very very nice whereas i mean like ireland kind of like buys into the sort of like buy things made of plastic christmas vibe but it's still wholesome <laughs> and lovely like <laughs> yeah. lots of lights and stuff um but yeah no i haven't watched any films yet uh i'm pretty excited to last year we planned to do the four different um the what are they called? No, we we, we a Christmas is it a Christmas Carol? Is that the name? Yeah, of it? like the Scrooge films. Yeah, we we, planned to, <laughs> we, we yeah. made a claim. <laughs> we made a claim that we were going to watch every single version of a Christmas Carol <laughs> ever made, and then we literally didn't watch a single <laughs> one. <laughs> it got to the time to record the podcast, and I was like, "Man, I've I've watched none of these." And you're like, "Yeah, same." We're like, all right, just scrap it. Yeah, we didn't watch any of them. So I think like. That's good though because last year there was nothing to do, uh, or there was there, last year there was so much to do. This year there's nothing to do, so uh, maybe we could actually I think do it, but just a year late. We have to be realistic though. Like we have to. I feel like these like <laughs> I feel like these challenges. Like if we don't actually want to watch these films, we we just have to admit that we're not going to. That's true. I do want to watch <laughs> Christmas Carol, but I don't want to watch. Uh, you can watch any. I'll watch any. I'll watch one, and you watch another okay. one. And we don't. They don't have to be the same. Okay. No, they they have to be not the same. I'd say. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. Shake, shake on that. All right. Uh, digital shake. All right. Um. And then uh, we can see. <laughs> anyway, we should probably have these kind of discussions <laughs> off the pod, off air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel I like think an on like pod discussion. Feels like an off. You're, you're, st- you're getting an insight into our production meetings. Um. Yeah. We're, we're- <laughs> We're we're truly terrible film journalists. <laughs> uh, I didn't watch that film because I did not want to. <laughs> oh dear! It feel <laughs> okay, like it. I think. Uh, have we reached? I the think end? it's probably time to wrap up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think if you've made it this far, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do seem to make it this far. Mm-hmm. We were just looking at the stats before, yeah. but uh, please hit us up with your voice reviews. Any messages? Any? Any, what you think of Leonardo DiCaprio's mm-hmm. accent um, at, at MKUltraFilm on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, Killian, anything to, anything to add? I'll not be giving my phone number. I've discontinued that, um, <laughs> I've discontinued that tradition. So uh, just add MKM, MKM, at MKUltraFilm on mm-hmm. uh, Instagram. We have an email, but uh, we've both uh, forgotten the password, so we can't really get in. Um, but send it on if you wish. <laughs> okay. Well, goodbye. Cheers. Thank you.